Adam just walked in as soon as I pressed record. Thank you. <laughs> I requested a seltzer. Aw. What'd you get? Raspberry. It's Wegmans brand, baby. I'm going to crack it open nice. on Mike. Crack it. Cracking open a cold one for the Spooky nice. Succubus cast, episode 40. It's the big 4-0. Is it really 40? Wow. It really is. That means that we've been doing this for 40 weeks. How long does it take to make a baby? They they come out at like 40 weeks, right? Have we had this podcast no, for a baby's life? We have been doing life? this for nine months. I think we have might we? have. I think we started in like October. It's time to birth this baby yeah she is cooked. and we'll name her akasha <laughs> <laughs> there is so much and to unpack but it's also just like so banal like i so today we're talking about queen of the damned uh recap anti-racist anti-capitalist intersectional feminist horror movie podcast i don't have a lot to say this week I somehow escaped watching this movie at the time, um, and I think it was all for the best. I don't know how you make vampires so boring, so dull, but this movie somehow made it happen. Even like I've never seen Twilight either, but okay. Well, I love Twilight. Like it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> oh my god, Abigail! I like it. I don't know why. That's okay. You can like what you Maybe like. it's because of like the my internalized uh like religious upbringing, but I just like really I'm into it. Like I don't know. Uh but this movie is like when I first started liking Deftones and like I loved this movie. I thought it was so like cool and sexy. And rewatching it at this age, uh I was like physically embarrassed. It was like pain painful. It put me in pain like Stuart Townsend's accent, the songs, like, I I just, I think this killed Stuart Townsend's career. I don't think, I think he died. Uh, he, I think he died of he shame. He never came back. <laughs> I mean, which is sad to say because Aaliyah, may she rest in peace, really did die. And yeah. And never got to move past. But Romeo Must Die was good. She had, like, a, a great album career. And yeah, when young. I think of Aaliyah, this is not what I think of. No. Plus, she was the she most look- compelling person in the movie, for sure. Oh, a thousand percent. Um, and she looked, you know, she looked great doing it, but um, she deserved better than this movie. It's for, it's for a b- sure. embarrassing, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think there's... I don't know. I feel like there's... It's not brown face it's just like erasure like maharet i'm pretty sure is supposed to be egyptian but she's just lena old like lena she's, olin she's just a white she's lady white, yeah a white lady i mean that we have a lot to talk about it's so much so little I, and nothing happens i was just like what i don't why is the scene so long and why do i not know who any of these people are like it's just I was, anyway, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, I mean, I knew who the people were because I've seen this, like, kind of more times than I want to admit to. Uh, <laughs> so, honestly, for our first viewing, it's very confusing. There's not really a plot line. Like, if you blink, you'll miss the, like, main structure points of the plot, you know? And I was definitely blinking. Who the fuck even is Maharet? You're like, I know she's a vampire. I've, it's a whole thing. But also, like, I love Interview with a Vampire, 
bookend movie, and so like I don't like that this movie. Is... Maybe I need to rewatch it. I just feel like it's so long. It is very long, but like I don't know. I what it came out in '94, so it came out before this movie, and I watched it probably like from the tender age of five. I had been watching that movie, and it just like. I could tell you every line, probably, and I and Tom Cruise, you know, Scott has problems, and his Lestat is definitely unhinged. Um, uh, his Lestat is extremely unhinged, and it is good. Antonio Banderas does kind of do brown face in that movie, or every movie he's or ever every been movie in. he's ever been in. Don't bring up Once Upon a Time in Mexico because I'll go off. Uh, we have already talked about this on the pod. That's true. I've never seen it. Uh, but not a probes, not a probes. Uh, and I remember Kirsten Dunst being a very unhinged tiny vampire, which was pretty fun. She was so good. Yeah, it was great. Brad, a young Brad Pitt is like one of the times that he's watchable. It was good. It was fun. I saw on TikTok that Kirsten Dunst had an unfortunate music career doing a cover of Turning Japanese, where she's like <gasps> running through the streets of Tokyo in like Japanese uh like street clothes like street fashion no. I'll send it to you it was it was I was like Kirsten Dunst I love you I've always loved you but this is pretty unforgivable that's bad oh no and I love Kirsten I know I feel like the devil works Damn. hard but Kirsten Dunst PR team must work harder to have buried that thing because oh my god For real? how did I never know uh just makes me want to watch bring it on yeah, Bring so It On is really good. Uh, with What's-His-Face, who's so hot, like, in a mean way. Like, like he would tell you uh, that you were dumb because you've never read Faulkner or something. But, I mean, um, it's honestly dumb to read Faulkner because if, <laughs> if you want to, like, struggle through prose that, like, literally makes no sense and probably only made sense to William Faulkner, go ahead. And, and other people are just like, yeah, yeah, I get this. Yeah, right. like, I totally get it. I understand. Like, Absalom, Absalom doesn't have a paragraph break. I'm not <laughs> I'm not reading it. <laughs> I'm not reading it. I'm just reading. not doing that. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about the monstrosity that is Queen of the Damned. Yeah, I think that we're all currently damned from having struggled through this movie. First of all, this is another one that I'm sure I saw for free on a streaming service, and then I could find it nowhere, and I had to rent it. Where did you watch it? On the YouTubes. But yeah, I rented it through legitimate channels. We went through legitimate channels this time. This time. You don't have to. (laughs) I won't judge you if you don't watch it. I'm not smart enough to, like, pirate things. I, like, don't understand how to, um... So I just always get a tour or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did it on my MacBook that I had in college, like when we were all still using LimeWire. And that was like my only experience with it. And I didn't do it very well because then it crashed. So MacBooks, it's hard do? to get them to crash. You must have really done something bad. I also to got it. paint in the keys. That's probably really what happened. There it is. Um, but it's a little bit of both, you know. So, so we see a shot of an ad- Egyptian statue. I think we can agree that the cultural uh, heritage is supposed to be Egyptian, but there's some confusing aesthetics. Uh, it's a marble statue of a queen uh, with swelling music, orchestral music. 
We then hear a voiceover of Lestat with, like, pretty much the most confusing accent I've ever heard because he's supposed <laughs> to be French. And then he lived in... He does not sound French. He lived in New Orleans, like, in the, in the canon for, like, many years. But it's, like, sort of like a Romanian accent. It's really confusing. Yeah, it's, like, a little British, little... I don't, it's very strange. Stuart Townsend is Irish, so maybe he just, like, is just bad at accents. I mean, me too, but, like, come on. So Lestat describes the unbearability of eternity and why he chose to go to sleep for several generations. I think it's Lafayette Cemetery in New Orleans. Uh, In his slumber, he hears the sounds of... New metal. He hears new metal, like early 2000s corn era hard rock, and chooses to awaken and become one of the quote unquote new gods. This is my time. It's like the most embarrassing thing that could have awakened you from a like 100 year slumber. Corn? Like that's. It's like, oh, Marilyn Manson's like famous, so I can be famous too. Yeah. It's like sad for you, Lestat. It's embarrassing. Um,. It's embarrassing. Lestat's first kill after awakening is a black man with locks. So do with that what you will. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He heads to his old New Orleans home where his future band is squatting and playing pretty bad music. Uh, They ask who he, oh my God, the scene where he appears on the amp and just starts like, oh. Yeah, like, (laughs) it's so, I was like, this is, that's not scary it's like disturbing yes. like, somebody needs to who, where did this man escape like from? who like, is what? he yeah he does like a draw me like one of your french girls posts and then sings <laughs> sings a couple of notes uh, <laughs> uh we should put the video the video of that up uh <laughs> where are we uh he shows them his vampiric powers says he's the vampire listat and says he'll make everything they ever dreamed of theirs so, flash forward, they're... Oh, we're just like, that's chill. Uh, cool. We'll be your bandmates. They're a highly successful band, which is laughable because no new metal band got this big, okay? They got big, but, like, they didn't have universal appeal. Like, not like this, no. you know? They weren't the Spice Girls, okay? Yeah, like, seriously. Like, it wasn't the same. I don't know. I like like some cringy music, sure, but... I usually try to like the goods version of this, like Rage Against the Machine and not corn, you know? You gotta Corn they have like church stuff, right? They have like Jesus baggage. Am I misremembering? I have no idea. I've never like only against my will have I listened to corn. I don't Um, fuck with Jesus. You heard it here first. It's true. It's like Creed, like uh Nickelback gets a bad rap, which is, like, fair, but Creed was much worse, guys. Okay? It was terrible. Wait, how did we let that happen? Scott's How did we Scott, let Creed happen? Scott's staff infection is a threat to national security. To my life. To me. Personally. personally I feel personally <laughs> victimized by Creed. So the band arrives at a press conference in London, and an image of Lestat is projected on video. It's so cringe. He said, "I'm like looking down at the crowd. It's like, ooh." It's, he says he's hidden in the shadows for centuries, but it's time to share himself and with the world. Uh, their first and only concert will be in Death Valley in a few days, and he says to the other vampires. Come out, come out, wherever you are. 
and it's really like and it like hurts my body i'm dead it's bad uh but could he pick a sunnier place than death valley like what like you're a vampire yeah like i get that the name is death but as a vampire is that really the most like practical place for you yeah don't do it the sun's not gonna set until like 8 30 yeah and you'll still have like some like sunlight at that time too yeah yeah uh, Lestat parties with a couple of girls that the Smarty manager, Roger, brought back, and he eats them. And Roger is, like, struggling. Like, Roger is the trope of, like, a disgusting manager. Like, you know, greasy hair, kind of, like, fast-talking. But he's, like, having an existential crisis because he's, oh, like, yeah. literally bringing women to be murdered by the vampire he works for. Like, I feel like we need to actually explore what happened to Roger after this. I... He's yeah, he's not having a good time. He doesn't enjoy his workplace. Um and like just get out, Roger. Just leave. He doesn't you don't need to do this. Yeah, um, I mean you could die literally at any time. Like it just isn't worth it. Like he just doesn't seem interested in, in eating Roger. Um good for him. Roger, yeah, for him. I can imagine him having kind of like an aura, like a cologne aura that you may not get past, right. you know. So elsewhere, the way he's crawling on the floor with those girls and then he crawls up the wall. It's so bad. Bad. It's so bad. So bad. Don't play with your food, Lestat. God. (laughs) Ugh. Uh, So elsewhere, young student, PhD candidate, person with a hobby. Random human. Random person, Jesse, is sleeping. And recounts how a voice has called to her in her dreams since she was six. She has a memory of being sent away from her aunt Maharet when she's little. And Maharet tells her that she has to be with her own kind. Jessie is studying in an apartment as Lestat plays on the TV. Uh, and she suddenly has an academic revelation. Um, <laughs> At the Talamasca Center for Paranormal Studies in London, where she's a, an apprentice, a trainee, something. Uh, she shares her findings uh, that Lestat mentions the Admiral's Arms in his song, which was a real pub with a reputation for black magic and people vanishing. And there's currently a private club in the same location now. And I'm like, I think they probably know that. Like, ma'am. Right. Also, could this group of, like, what would be cool occult researchers be any more boring? They're like, it's so just a boardroom full of old stuffy white people. It's I know. It's so boring. And they're, like, very into protocol. And it's kind of like, what is the protocol with vampires? You know, sometimes you right. got to take a risk, Telemasca. So she believes it's a vampire coven, and she went looking to see for herself. Uh, the Talamasca people admonish her for breaking the code. They observe and record, but never interfere. And then she is interrupted by mentor slash daddy slash boyfriend David, whose role in her life is never explained. Uh, David says they already know about Lestat and shows her several paintings from different eras with the same man in them, Marius. Or Marius. I don't know. Marius. Uh, Marius. Marius. David believes he's the closest they've come to the original vampire, Marius, and he's the one that made Lestat. Uh, David has Lestat's journal, so he, like, just lets Jesse read it. It's, like, all so funny. Uh, Jesse (laughs) reads the journal, uh, which recounts Lestat being turned in 1788. 
Marius chose Lestat basically because he's like an aging boomer and he's like i don't understand kids today so (laughs) marius chose lestat to help him understand modernity he teaches lestat never to take the last drop or will draw him in and he'll die Uh, and then the two disagree about staying in the shadows on the beach with marius in the in 1788 timeline uh lestat (laughs) joins some romani people and some fiddle playing uh but they realize his nature and attempt to run away and he murders them and one of them is like a young attractive girl that is ethnically ambiguous but has pretty close proximity to whiteness yeah um the outfits in this movie the costume design is um probably my favorite part it's like the only part i liked of this movie the tights lestat wears are literally like the legs you know ones that my mom would buy in the little like carton they're like nylons that are supposed to match your skin but they're like yeah exactly but they're like orange yeah He's also, when he's turned by Marius, he's dressed like Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Like, he has the ponytail it's, and the yellow pants. But it's, it's like, the yeah. ponytail is sort of incidental because he has, like, the curly mass of hair. And then you just see the little, like, rat tail coming out. It's awful. It's not good, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Where are we at here? Oh, Lestat is haunted by his victims and takes solace in playing the violin. One night, he hears the voice of Akasha in the villa, and he follows it to the cellar where he finds a hidden chamber with statues of the Queen of the Damned, Akasha, and her king, Enkiel. He plays the violin for her, and she moves, extending a hand with the wrist revealing veins. He drinks from her and sees visions of her reign of terror. Marius finds him and chains him up. Uh, Lestat asks who she is, and Marius tells her that she's Akasha, the queen of all who are damned. She and her king ruled over Egypt and drank until King Ankiel lost his will to drink, and they just, I guess, just turned into statues. Because um, they're tired. Yeah. Akasha has no respect for anything except the taste of blood. Uh, Lestat struggles to get more of her blood, saying that she chose him, but Marius shoots back that he chose Lestat, and he leaves the room. The next morning, Lestat wakes up, and he's not chained up anymore, but the villa is empty and abandoned. He calls to Marius, but there is no answer. Daddy left him by himself, little baby. I mean, I would leave Lestat, too, to be honest. Yeah, he's really petulant, like, frustrating to be around. It's not all about you, you know? Other people and vampires exist. And he's, like, always tilting his head down and, like, looking intensely. Yeah, I mean, stopped. God. So, back in 1999 or whatever, Jessie's curiosity (laughs) is not satisfied by the journal, and she decides to go back to the Admiral's arms. Uh, She slips in and is noticed by vampires there as they feed on their hosties, guests. Guests. And the song that's playing is, I believe in people dying, I believe in me, 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 me. That's the song, in case you want to know. Also in 13 Ghosts. The greatest, the greatest movie, movie of all time. Uh, <laughs> so several vampires approach her and ask her who her who her host is, and she says Marius, and they wouldn't know him because he's an ancient. They don't believe her and tease her. Eventually, following her out, and uh, 
They try to eat her, but they're interrupted by Lestat, who is intrigued by her mention of Marius. There's some banter. They talk about the girl with the violin. Uh, He sexually assaults her by pinning her up against a wall and pricking her thumb to suck on it. Uh, He realizes that she read his journal, and that's how she knows all this shit. Uh, And then he flies away, and she leaves. They... They try to make it sexy. It's like they so really try to make the scene sexy un-sexy. and it is. Not they have at all. literally no sexual chemistry. I mean, I feel like they make Lestat so hypersexual that it's like he isn't it sexual comes out the anymore. Other end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's I don't and it's yeah, like they're all so pale. Why is everyone's I guess cuz they're vampires, but I feel like the other people are also pale. I don't know. The vampire like, makeup his, is so weird and they like put the like highlighter on the inside of the eye. It's like nasty. Everybody looks nasty it's in weird. this movie. <laughs> yeah, and like sweaty and and clammy. It's a clammy. Clammy. Look, clammy. They're like sweaty but cold. Yeah. Mhm. Uh, Jesse decides to fly to L.A. for the concert and tells David he tries to talk her out of it because there's going to be a lot of angry vampires there. Uh, my question, funding, who's funding this? Like, it's not approved by the Institute. Is Jesse independently wealthy? I need answers. No, because she's an orphan because she was left by her her aunt. So, yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Right. So. So confusing. Uh, so maybe she's got an OnlyFans. I don't know. She would do well in there. Like, creepy vampire girl. Yeah. Marius surprises Lestat in LA and asks him what the heck he's trying to prove, which is a great question. Uh, they go on a little <laughs> sightseeing tour and they have banter. Um, Marius says Lestat's music has woken a very old friend, Akasha. She's taken the king's blood, which, like, isn't the whole thing that she, like, was so dedicated to her partner that she couldn't go on without him? Yeah, that's why she went to sleep in the first place. I'm confused. Uh, She absorbed his power, and then she's, like, on the run. Marius says to cancel the concert, but Lestat refuses. Akasha pops into the admiral's arms looking for Lestat and just kind of sets everybody on fire. Uh, she also does some interesting dancing, which I really enjoy. Rising. Yeah, like she's yeah. like writhing and she's got like really good shoulder moves. Uh, so yeah, the Admiral's Arms is up in flames. Centuries of history, you know, out the window. Gone, yeah. There is a certain poetic justice to, uh, you know, a black Egyptian woman just like raising a colonialist structure. I like that. It's good because, yeah, it's in the middle of London. So it's also nice to see consider the atrocity an Egyptian person like actually played by a black person. She's the only one who we get to see who's like, quote, Egyptian, because I think that like because Egyptians have like early forms of writing and sophisticated culture. Uh, like Western society often wants to whitewash them and say like they're not black they're like from Africa but it's northern Africa so they're European technically but they're African and like the skin colors range from darker than Aaliyah to like as light as probably you or me Rebecca so just everybody shut the fuck up they're African I it's also like Western culture and society will whitewash anyone. Like, that's just, no matter where they're from, that's what it's, you but know. But I think there's, 
and it's notable that they want to like lay claim to like Egyptians as white because they have like sophisticated cultural markers or like what Western society deems sophisticated. It's just like when they try to say that uh, Mayan cultures were visited by aliens and that's how they knew shit. Precisely. Racism. Racism. Uh, Jesse arrives in L.A. and pretty easily gets Roger, the dead inside manager, to bring her to Lestat. She brings him back his journal and asks him to show her what it's like. So they do some horny flying and then... He says something disgusting, which is that Jessie is beautiful to him because of her humanity, uh, read as human female frailty. So it's kind of gross. Mm. Uh, she asks him to drink from her and he gets kind of incensed and says, like, if you want to know what it's like, watch me eat this lady. And then um, she's not that into it anymore. They're just like in a park, too. It's like such a weird scene. The lady's just, like, sitting on a bench. I don't know. Well, the weirder thing is she's about to be eaten by a different vampire, but Lestat is like, no. Yeah, it's strange. At the concert, David and Marius run into each other, so I think they have a love connection. That's what I'm Oh, yeah, at the end I said, is Marius off to find the love of his eternal life? Because, yes. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Like, David has spent you know, a lifetime trying to locate Marius and kind of like just staring at pictures of him. I think I think there's something special there. It's also like there's problems with interview with the vampire and prop and the novel as well of like queer baiting and but there's a lot of like homoeroticism in that tale that I appreciated and I don't and I miss in the Did movie. you read the whole trilogy, Queen of the Damned and no. the Vampire Lestat? No. Because no. apparently this is like a deranged mashup of the other two. Everything. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, like Louis and Lestat were in L O V E and then the vampire that uh Antonio Banderas plays is also in love with Louis because they're all in love with each other. And, like, you're going to spend eternity and be heterosexual? No. That's Armand, right? He plays Armand. Yeah. And Armand is, like, the whitest, whitest, whitey bl- blonde boy in this movie, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I was confused by that. I was like, this child? That one? Yeah, I he looks know. like a literal porcelain doll. He looks like a baby. A little baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so back at the concert, Lestat literally flies onto stage. It's not really worth mentioning what the music sounds like. It's excruciatingly <coughs> painful to listen to. Uh, Maharet and her vampire cohort are there, and they try to find Jesse. Uh, Jesse searches the crowd and sees other vampires and tries to call to Lestat to warn him, like, what are you doing with this guy? He is so toxic. He's, like, the most toxic person. He's wearing a gold sheer top. I, I, that I must mention because it's got like little ties. You remember those tops from the early? 2000s I like the that top. The ties. No, I do too. But you don't look threatening in that top. No, you know I think I mean? that the top would have looked great on any member of the cast. Uh, but no, he's not. You know, it's just not doing it for me. The whole Lestat energy is it's tough. And the way that his his performance as a member of the band is also like. I don't want to watch anyone dry hump mic stands anymore. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't it's look so, good. It's not a good it, look. It's, it was, yeah, it was hard to watch for sure. 
We're just shitting all over this movie. It's, it's so bad. It's like embarrassingly bad. If you like this movie, anyone out there, it's okay. The thing is, I still like it. I'll watch it again. There's something about I don't know it. I that I'm on the same boat. But <laughs> I mean, I like a lot of garbage. As anyone who's ever listened to this knows, I like terrible movies. We love trash. So it's just, this one isn't for me, though. Not your kind <laughs> of trash. I didn't see it early enough. Yeah. So uh, the other vampires rush the stage and the rest of the band flees as Marius just, like, chooses to help Lestat fight them off for some reason. Like, I guess, we don't know like, why. familial ties, like, they have kinship. Lestat is surrounded as the other vampires burst into flames and then Akasha explodes through the bottom of the stage, which is so funny. Uh, And then she takes Lestat and they fly away to a villa somewhere. Uh, It's very nice. Question mark. How'd she get there? She's been asleep for. Yeah. Who's your realtor, Akasha? What are you doing? Yeah. Did you murder the people who live there? Are the cops actually that makes sense? Are vampires impervious to. Bullets? We don't know. Anyway. We don't know. We know they can apparently be lit on fire with some ease. Definitely. A look. Yeah. Yeah. Akasha admires how Lestat lives his life in the open like she did, and he'll be her consort now. Uh, They have a sexy bath, and she kind of feeds on his nipple area. Um, It's not great. It's like a little sexy. Like this scene is a little sexier than any of the other scenes, but it's also like, okay, let's cut the scene down a little bit. Give me some exposition or some chemistry between two characters. That would be great. I mean, Aaliyah's really working for it, but it's just not there. It's not there. Uh, Back at the vampire house where I think Aunt Maharet kind of leads a little commune, which seems like a nice vibe. Um, Jessie snoozes in her childhood room, which is filled with horrible dolls. Uh, She says she hoped this place was real and Maharet and Jessie are finally reunited. Maharet explains her connection to Jessie, saying she had a child before Akasha took her and has taken care of the descendants, including Jessie. And she brought Jessie to the house when her parents died to take care of her. But eventually she had to go back and live with people. Which, like... Why, though? You can't just do that. Like, you don't have any documentation that you have a legal claim to this child. Did you just fly her into the night? I'm just so confused. Where's the accountability? (laughs) Where is her paperwork? Does she have a birth certificate? No. They just left this little girl on a doorstep somewhere. Apparently. The last memories. This little redhead, the goofiest red wig I've ever seen. The dye job on uh, Jesse. Margaret Moreau is so. I actually bad. was like, I kind of want that exact eye job because it's that bad that I think but it like might be good. But like for to for them to be like, it's a natural. Red She's a redhead. Like, yeah. No. All right, where are we? Oh, blah 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 blah. Okay, Lestat awakens, fearing the sun, but he's now impervious to it. At the pool, there's a slew of dead bodies, and then there's more on the beach. Lestat is a little turned off by the corpses. Um, but Akasha says that they'll change the world and they have a score to settle. They head back to the vampire house uh, where the, um, or we, the POV heads back to the vampire house where they, the gang, Maharad and some other people realize they have to fight Akasha by drinking her blood, but whoever takes the last of it will not survive it. 
Maharet then tells Jesse to forget Lestat because he's joined with Akasha, which is a good point. Jesse doesn't listen. Akasha <laughs> arrives. She's bent on destroying all humans and tells them to join her or die. But they're like, no, who are you even? Um, Akasha says she the wants. Mother. Yeah. Hi, mommy. Um, Kasha tells Lestat to prove his love by killing Jesse, uh, and he bites her uh, kind of seductively on the boob chest, which is not a way to kill someone, and then like gently lowers her to the ground. He feeds on Akasha and gives Marius a meaningful glance, like, <laughs> and then the other vamps charge. Uh, the old ones that are ugly and the brown ones are killed, but Armand, yeah. the... Um, pretty boy survives uh akasha says if they kill her they kill themselves but lestat approaches anyway maharet tells him to stop for like no reason like why is his life more valuable than yours maharet then she takes the last of akasha's blood and becomes a statue only white vampires remain to confirm uh and then and mostly men except for the damsel in distress yes maharet sleeps in a statue form, uh, and Lestat turns Jesse into a vampire. Uh, back at his office, old faithful David is reading articles about the Lestat concert and hears a noise. Jesse and Lestat arrive to pay him a visit, and he sees that Jesse's turned. Uh, they return the journal, and David asks Jesse what it's like, but they, he says no, he doesn't really want to find out. Uh, and then as they leave, Marius appears and enters, going, Hello, David! my love hello honey yeah. i'm home uh and then jesse and lestat walk into the distance glancing at each other and smiling like they're not gonna murder so many people and then the last shot is <sighs> a chiron in memory of Aaliyah. this is the last on-screen appearance she had before her untimely and tragic death r.i.p Aaliyah. yeah uh yeah this i don't know i yeah, this movie, man. It's a I'm not sure. Colonizer's wet dream, honey. I I just like I don't know. It had no like real discernible plot. Like all of the subplots were so like random and boring. I was just like so confused. I don't know. Well, and, yes. Yeah, the- I think that um that's the problem that Anne Rice anticipated, which is that there's so much groundwork with like Maharet and Lestat and Akasha in the novels that they just tried to like throw at the wall like a plate of spaghetti and see what stuck. And yeah. it didn't work. It didn't work. It's a, it's a flop. It's also like, you know, you can pull off a nonlinear uh, film story but sure like and flashbacks but this one does not do that like the flashbacks give us like basically nothing something that could have been established with a line of dialogue the flashback to like marius's mediterranean villa is like a third of the movie somehow even though it's only like 10 minutes long and it doesn't really lay us any groundwork except that lestat is maybe empathetic but at the end of the day is like still fine with murdering and like letting people know he's a murderer right Right, and I don't, yeah, it just, like, paints him as more of, like, an immature young vampire, but I, it's not, like, it doesn't give me anything, and, like, no character gets any real backstory that's interesting, or development, or chemistry between two of them, or, I don't Complexity, know. Complexity, like, worse. everybody fulfills, like, 
a single trope. Like, Marius is the distinguished, queer-coded, like, dandy vampire. Lestat is sort of, like, the young gun um, that, like, wants visibility and acclaim. Jesse is our, like, studious damsel in distress. Akasha is, like, bloodthirsty BIPOC. Evil. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's nasty. And then we get the good mother in Maharet. Who is. It's just. Like, Maharet is not the name of a, like, Western European white woman. Like, what the actual fuck? And she doesn't. She's, like, she's in her dream scene and then isn't around until the very end. Like, and and Lena Olin is a good actress. She's a good character actress. I enjoy her when she's on my screen. Yeah. What, like. And it's. The coven in general, or whatever vampire fucking gaggle, is doesn't get any, like, backstory, or we don't get the, even their names. I don't know the names of the, the people that they killed at the end. I don't know. I like, know them because of IMDB. Uh, the only brown yeah. woman is Pandora, who is a South Asian vampiress. Uh, and she's basically the first one that Akasha kills. Like, the first yeah. kills are always very pointedly brown people, um, mm-hmm. brown or black people, and then the only vampires that survive are, like, youthful, attractive white people, notably white men. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. And then, yeah, they our big bad is Aaliyah, who gets to be the only black vampire who like has a name and says lines. And what happens some... what happens to her when she's killed? She's eaten alive. She by turns white well, she turns even blacker. Like when she's mm. supposed to turn to ash, it doesn't really look like ash. It looks like like onyx looks or like something. Bronze, yeah. Like a dark. So bronze. basically and... like they villainize her by when she's you know, dying, they turn her even blacker and like coding that as being more evil. It's nasty. And Maharek gets a white, like a white ivory statue. Right, exactly. Uh, some other points of colonization of this movie or like effects of colonization is Akasha is supposed to be an ancient sort of goddess, like ancient Egyptian, but her hair is chemically straightened in like a Western way. Like she isn't wearing her hair naturally. Uh <laughs> And it's braided, though. It is, but when there's, like, that dream sequence of her, most notably, oh, she has it down yeah. and it's, like, chemically straightened and sw- straight, which is how Aaliyah wore it, but I think it's just, like, a general point that, like, you, the only black person you see wearing natural hair is basically murdered, like, right at the beginning. Is murdered yeah. immediately, yeah. And, yeah, there's, like, a handful of black vampires who, like, some of them are wearing hoods and they're not, yeah, they're not... No, they don't have a character. But I do, I mean, it's so absolutely negligible that, and, like, absolutely ridiculous that I even have to say this, but the fact that this white director acknowledges that black people even live in the UK is kind of, like, a step up from, like, many other directors and movies that we've covered, but it's obviously nowhere near enough, and the characterization of Akasha is not nuanced, and it's pretty, like, one note and I don't want to use the word like savage but it is sort of like a coating of like brownness and blackness and like ancient civilizations before white colonialism equate to like savagery or Mm -hmm. like not being able to 
like seek education or those kind of like tropes understanding or yeah because she's just bloodthirsty and she wants to take over and is not motivated by anything else yeah and i mean yeah they just they hypersexualize her for sure while making maharet like a matronly boring old aunt and yeah she just like I mean, she looks great doing it, but she wears nothing but, like, breastplates and low-riding uh, skirts, so. I mean, who doesn't love a breastplate, I guess? But she's hypersexualized. Yeah, sure. she always has, like, exposed back and the side boob shoulder is really dancing. out, shoulder dancing, yeah. Uh, So... I found out on IMDb from the trivia section that Aunt Maharet's house is supposed to be based on Angkor Wat, which is a, like, high holy place in Cambodia, a Buddhist temple. Um, And Angkor Wat has kind of, like, had a very interesting history of colonialism, so it's really notable that they're, like, taking that out of its indigenous space and putting it into, like, a as, like, basically, like, pleasure garden sort of um like mansion for affluent white people in the in California desert, right? So mm-hmm. Angkor Wat is a hub of Western colonialism because it was one of those spaces, just like you were sort of referencing earlier, where when Western colonizers came to Cambodia, they were like shocked at the artistry uh, and basically wanted to sort of rest it under control to claim it as a European space. Um, mm-hmm. So France controlled Cambodia as what they call a protectorate, was which is basically just like you wrestle control of a government and say that it's like a protected nation under your control, but that's not a real concept. You're just controlling. (laughs) Yeah. In Mm -hmm. 1863, and then some of the ruins were in Siam, modern-day Thailand, so they invaded Thailand to wrest control of the ruins because of their artistic legacy. And just to note, Cambodia did not gain independence from France until 1953. So Angkor Wat has long been been like a contentious colonialist space. Uh, And even like at the poster gallery where we used to work, you would see like 40s and 50s posters posters about Angkor Wat because it was a France, French-controlled us territory at the time so it was very easy for europeans and westerners to travel there and sort of gawk uh so i and think it's a little ruin <laughs> yeah cultural history i think it's mm-hmm. pretty nasty that they used it as a model considering that like very close colonial history but i guess it's just all about white people here today <laughs> here today as we see it i don't yeah that's gross and sad i don't know I guess they're like, oh, this thing is beautiful. Let's make her mansion beautiful, but without actually directly referencing that. Yeah. Model it after the stupid Palace of Versailles or something. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, something white people made. Um, uh, You want to talk about Jessie? Even though there's barely anything to say about her. Yeah, I mean. She's she's got exceptionalism, right? Because she's smart. She she's smart. She's a PhD student or something or a researcher. I don't know. And it's unclear. Uh, the Talamasca Institute is a, an invention of Anne Rice for the structure of the novels, obviously. But I think as people that have come from nonprofit arts backgrounds, we're like, where's the funding? Tell me where the funding wait, is. Where, <laughs> yeah. uh, where are they getting their money from? What's her actual job title? 
Um, but she's infantilized by everyone, including the other man- members of the Telemasca. And especially by David, who, yeah, is her weird mentor overseer. I don't know. Their relationship is never explained, but it is absolutely inappropriate. It appears as inappropriate. I don't think David is a problematic character. He's kind of just like a nothing character. He's very singular. He has a quest to sort of dominate. So his framework is problematic, but he's sort of like banal as a person. But basically, I think he's her mentor and they have like a weird power dynamic that's hard to observe i don't like it but i don't know that it's like sexual or romantic no i don't think so either but he does treat her like a child and she's a grown woman and lestat also treats her like a young hot baby he wants to bite like it's not and he doesn't trust her and he doesn't believe her and then he turns her to a vampire without her consent Adam and I were actually chatting about this in the car today. Like, where did the hot baby trope originate? Because he was like, well, in the 70s, like, the women that were culturally regarded as hot were, like, older. Like, not old, but they were, like, Farrah Fawcett and, like, Jacqueline Smith. Like, women that were easily in their, like, 20s, 30s. But then there was, like, this cultural shift to just, like, sexualized 17 year olds like somewhere in the 80s and i feel like the trope just the sexy baby trope just won't go away we need to kill the it born sexy yesterday yeah trope. exactly well yeah the weird science is like a perfect perfect example yeah of that, totally they, like make a hot lady who's who's a baby uh but yeah maybe it has something to do with like the economic injustices in the 80s that like yeah old white guys had money and they wanted like little girls to do whatever they wanted. Yeah, right. Gross. Like the stock market boom and stuff like that. Like just this outrageous affluence, outrageous access to drugs, um, sex, like not like access to sex, but uh, like the ability to economically control people. Uh, But when was Lolita was written in the... Lolita was written in the 50s, I think. 50s, yeah. Yeah. And even like, but Lolita. Like, I mean, have you listened to Lolita podcast? By I know we've talked about no. this before, but Lolita was fundamentally misunderstood as a text. Like, mm. like you're supposed to be critical of Humbert Humbert, the narrator. You're supposed to like criticize and be kind of like disgusted and like in incredulous at his behavior. Uh, but then it like. The plot got lost <laughs> somewhere uh, in, like, the, the film adaptations. Like, it just – it went a weird different direction, and that is a good point. That's a, like, pretty fundamental cultural touchstone of, like, the born sexy yesterday trope. Yeah. It's also, like, a lot of times uh, narrators whose side you shouldn't be on, you're often, like, get misunderstood, just like American Psycho. Yeah. Well, greatest, greatest movie ever made. Uh, but in the book, I would, I would recommend reading Lolita if this is like, this is something like the cultural through line is of interest to you. Like, actually, like, I feel like I always like dismissed it as a text because I was like, oh, it's like about a sexy child that like, yeah, like it's an inappropriate thing to read about. But also actually like, it's a really fascinating text and like it's a really it's definitely a trigger warning if you have a history of like sexual violence or an uncomfortable like abuse relationship with a male patriarch or 
like caregiver. I wouldn't touch it, but it helped me understand like a lot about abuse, grooming, like all of these things that mm. and like Nabokov writes about it really skillfully and he's a really good writer. Um but Yeah, maybe I'll read it. I don't know. What am I even talking about? We're talking about Queen maybe of the Maybe I'll Damned. read Interview with a Vampire again too. I actually uh, am adding them to my cart as we speak. I mean, poor Aaliyah, too, also had to experience that in her life. Um, we won't speak the devil's name, but, um, yeah, she was in a highly publicized relationship of course, with yeah. a big, giant dirtbag uh, piece of human garbage. So, whose songs are still being played and listened to all the time because people suck. Um, but anyway... Jessie is infantilized by everyone. She is wearing some great outfits, her shiny tops and her big coat. I love the big coat and the turtleneck and space buns. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) The space buns. I have tried to pull off space buns many, many times. They look so stupid on me because I have like a round baby face. I just like literally look like a fat child. Like, can I have cotton candy? I like live in this weird space where I like don't ever want to look like I'm trying too hard so then when i like do something with my hair i'm like this is fucking stupid i look stupid so that's every time i've worn space buns i'm like i look stupid so yeah that's where i'm at with my life um i also don't understand the vampires versus humans thing that they're setting up in this movie because all the humans don't seem to give a shit that there are vampires yeah they're not worried about it they're just kind of like whatever they treat them like rock stars and like the humans aren't dangerous because of their ability to, like, physically cause harm. It's because they're going to exploit them yeah. and treat them like zoo animals, which is, like, already what we do to rock stars. So, like, is it that big of a deal? Like, do we, I don't know, need to murder everyone over it? And the vampires seem to have the ability of self-control. Like, Lestat isn't murdering every human he sees. Like, he's he's feeding off of the women who come to see him. Willingly, knowing, like, having all the information, technically. And, and like, all the vampires at the whatever arms are also only feeding on the humans who are, like, willingly going into their lair. So, like, it seems like they're, neither one is very dangerous to the other. And vampires can feed on humans without killing them, so. Yeah. And um, in some cases, it's, like. A consensual symbiotic relationship and i think in this way we have some problems with this movie like demonizing the kink community a little bit um which is kind of nasty like you can do whatever you want to do if both partners are consenting to it and yeah if you're doing things with consenting adults i don't know like I like I thought the club looked like a perfectly nice place to be if you were consenting to being chewed on by a vampire and that was your thing. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. It's also, yeah, a little uh, demonizing and patronizing to like all communities too. are like uh, these stupid idiots with their spike hair and their chokers and their eyeliner. Like, of course, they love vampires. Like, it just seems so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And then and the young lady that or a person that comes in with Jesse, they is like made a mockery of by Lestat mm-hmm. uh, for 
being a huge fan and like just trying to keep up with a conversation that obviously she has no ability to be involved with because she doesn't have the context and she's mocked and like has this cakey white makeup on and is sort of yeah, yeah essentially like just made a complete mockery and joke of for being a part of an alt community that Lestat is also a member of. Yeah, he's and he's exploiting that community, but like, of course, vampires wouldn't want to be part of mainstream society because they wouldn't. So they like seek out and then exploit and destroy the alt community. Yeah, um, exactly. But this movie rides that line where it's like it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't explore the queerness that could be happening in this movie between like vampires and like members of the vampire lair and they're just like no they just like spiked buns but they like are all still straight so don't worry about it yeah and there are some like really androgynous people in the vampire community and those vampires are killed often like the more androgynous like less bald yeah the bald bald person yeah exactly are killed and like kind of eradicated as if they're inconsequential to the community, which is pretty disgusting. Also, why would Akasha want to come in and just, like, savagely murder her own kind? Like, there's no real character development outside of just, like, she is bloodthirsty and everyone else deserves, like, to die at her hand because of her single-mindedness, which just isn't an interesting way to set up a character. I can hear those sirens over there. Well, um, sorry, honey. This is life in the big city. In Boston. Um, but yeah, like she's like, well, I could just make more vampires, I guess. And I really want Lestat because he played the violin for me. And now I have no other reason to do anything else. I admire I that know. she's all, a fan of music. <laughs> Yeah, right. right. It's also like, okay, a woman is doing something in pursuit of a man, of course. Yeah. She has this undying love for Lestat for no reason at all. He's barely likable. I don't know. And she has to have a consort or she's incomplete as a person like and an authority figure, I guess. Yeah. Because, like, who trusts a female vampire alone? Not me. Can't live with him can't live without him that doesn't make sense in this context but here we are but anyway i don't know what else to say (laughs) well i also want to mention that anne rice was uniformly unilaterally excluded from the production of this movie so this movie you can tell was created basically because uh universal owned the rights to the vampire trilogy but it was reverting back to anne rice in the year 2000 so they rushed to make a movie that essentially is a mashup of two of the books uh she literally begged (laughs) the production company to let her create a screenplay for the vampire lestat saying she would do it at union rate but she was snubbed by the studio and completely shut out from the production process so just a little side note there to portray that like Women are very, very infrequently in control of the media they produce, although that like line is changing now and we're seeing more like female and BIPOC controlled projects. This is just a little side note that so that we remember that our beloved genre has very consistently marginalized women and people of color during its history. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, Anne Rice has her own problems and interview with a vampire. Um, we put a p word owner purveyor Mm -hmm. uh as our hero so yeah never forget don't like it 
Um, but that's but in many ways like a separate issue from this issue, which is this content. Right, is her content like she created it? She made it, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was a big hit, and people watch this movie even though it wasn't great. So, yeah, to the point. I guess we should briefly discuss the murder associated with this movie. It's so sad. I'm not prepared. <laughs> so in West Lothian, Scotland, uh, a young man named Thomas McKendrick was murdered by his friend Alan Menzies, which is a funny last name, even though this is a very tragic situation. Um, I know when I read it, it was like Menzies. Menzies. For real? <laughs> yeah. So God. Alan drank the blood of his friend, ate part of his, ate part of his head, head, like what, which is a weird place to start eating someone, uh, and then was absolutely not remorseful and claimed that he got part of his soul and would now be a vampire. Uh, apparently Thomas McKendrick insulted the titular character Queen Akasha and Alan Menzies snapped and murdered him, claiming that Queen Akasha told him to do it. And I bring this up because it's a really like interesting example of just generally how men gaslight women and women of color particularly into situations that they have no ownership over and are not responsible for and i think it's not Aaliyah's fault yeah like projecting and um alan menzies apparently had like a history of enjoying perpetrating violence against other living creatures but then the fact that he ultimately ended up using a fictional character uh, played by a black woman who was herself tragically killed was just disgusting and a pretty good example of like the kind of behavior that we consistently see from white men that go unchecked and rewarded by society for mediocrity and just generally shitty behavior when situations like this occur. But don't mm. eat your friends' heads, I guess is where we'll leave don't it. Don't eat your friends' heads. Um, it's not the movie's fault that he ate his friend's head. So, and that's where we'll leave it. Uh, I know that's where that's all I've got to say. I know corrections corner. Also, I know I said last week that this week's episode would be Scream, but I didn't think about the schedule. So we're recording Scream. We both didn't think about the schedule. To be fair, recording Scream this very Friday together in person in my apartment, which will be sweaty but fun. Um, yeah, and it will probably be the wine episode, the drunk episode. I would guess. We haven't done a drunk episode since I got too drunk when we did Valentine. I think we've had enough time time. to heal from that, don't you? Yeah. Well, plus we record before I go to work now, so I can't be drunk. Yeah. I think we can have a light drunk episode. You know, like, not a full-on drunk episode. Yeah, I'll get a little tipsy. So next week's episode will be Scream. The following week will be Troll Hunter. Now for something a little different, we're going to go into trolls. We're going to talk about uh, Nordic myths and culture. We are going to be unprepared, so pump it up. Super unprepared. uh, If you want, please go to uh, our Patreon. The link is in our Instagram bio. We are just beginning to work our way through the X-Files and have completed the pilot. And then there will be something very, very special, which will most likely be completely off the rails, which is our episode on Titanic, which is coming up soon. Titanic can't wait yeah we're going off book because i don't think anyone cares what we do to be honest why not (laughs) and i think it'll be fun it is gonna be really Uh, fun there are definitely parallels between titanic and horror movies i mean as i said before yeah i think falling off a boat into icy water is horrifying horrifying. so i think we saw a parallel just today uh with stuart townsend as lestat 
landing on the amplifier as Kate Winslet being sketched by Leonardo DiCaprio. Look at no. What do you want to yeah. fuck this week? Uh, I'd say fuck colonization, right? Yeah, it's nasty, fuck. and it's like crazy how something that may seem innocuous to someone that doesn't care enough to learn, like. I'm going to model this cool house off of Angkor Wat. Like, just all I did was go to Wikipedia, man. I was like, this seems kind of like an Eastern space. So let's find Mm. out what's going on. And then you find out that there's a violent history of colonization attached to that structure. And there is going to be pretty much a violent history of colonization attached to any structure, man. Just read. Read about it. Or horrible. That's also not super equitable. If you can't or don't feel called to read, there's other sources of information. There's TikTok. I know? learn a lot from TikTok. There's documentaries. There are, I don't know, lectures. But uh, fuck whitewashing as well. For sure. Um, and You know what I hate? Yeah. What? Every filter, pretty much every filter whitewashes i don't want to have blue eyes i don't want my light my skin to be any lighter like that's yeah. not a beauty filter yeah that's a whitewashing it's filter, a everybody. white supremacist filter exactly uh yeah. while we're at it fuck white supremacism and dude fuck Aaliyah dying and fuck all the abuse that she suffered at the hands of he who must not be named and if you're still listening yeah. to remix to ignition i know it slaps but you can't listen to it anymore yeah what a bummer um, Truly. But, you know, misogyny, deep-seated in our society. So, you know, cool. It's cool. Yeah. And a lot of people were complicit in that abuse. Just like a lot of people are still complicit in the abuse of women and girls, particularly black women and girls across this country and across the world. But listen to victims, you know? Yeah, totally. It's like It doesn't hurt you to do that. Right. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. Fuck each other in a nice way. You know what I mean? Except for maybe not Stuart Townsend. I don't think there's anyone in this movie I really (laughs) want to fuck in a nice way, to be honest with you. Maybe David. Maybe like David and Marius. It would be cute and nice. Right. Be gentle. Cute. (laughs) Gentle. Very loving. Very sweet. Uh, yeah. All right. Find us on Instagram at spooky succubus underscore cast and let us know. How you're feeling about us on uh, Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. And a subscription would also be really helpful. Yeah. We love you. Thank you. All right. I got to go. Bye. Bye.